0: Welcome to episode eighteen of the Allen Badger Podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen. And we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage you our listeners to apply critical thinking to news and current events as we seek to live for Christ. Hi Helen, how are you doing today?
1: Hello, I'm well, thank you.
0: Excellent, excellent. You've had uh, had a good good week since we call a couple of weeks since we last podcasted.
1: Yeah, good week, yeah. Um it's nice and sunny this morning so I'm happy.
0: Oh that's good. Too much rain. It has been yeah, it's felt very autumnal all of a sudden, I think. Yeah. It's like that kind of what I call cross country weather, which is oh, yeah. rainy, <laughs> windy and nice. thinking, wow. Cold. Yeah, cold. We've we the seasons have changed and um, there's yeah. a little little cue for later there, maybe we could talk about um yeah it, it's interesting isn't it talking about how time goes by so quickly because um we wanted to touch on the queen's funeral um uh, in this in this podcast and it, this seems like a long time ago already doesn't it don't you think i i think it's i think it's strange when you look back and it, how long ago that now feels in reality yeah, it's, it's it just does. under two weeks isn't it since yeah. we're recording this
1: yeah it does feel like ages ago actually Strange, isn't it? So much has happened, I suppose.
0: Yeah. I I know I, I do wonder if it's I think time time seems to go quicker the older you get. Um, oh, that must be that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but I do I do wonder if it's something else. I, I do think is is it because life is also quite full and busy now and life seems to be busier and fuller um with a lot of stuff, and I'm, I'm not meaning necessarily doing things. I'm meaning just things happening in the world, situations. You know, we've had we got the situation with Ukraine and Russia. We've had the disruption of the pipeline in the Baltic. We've had the well, the start of what feels like economic meltdown. Um, it, it, there's a lot of different things going on at the same time, and all these things are quite big deals in and of themselves, aren't they? And I just I think mm. that sometimes that that help it almost compresses time because so much is happening in in the same amount of time. So something a while ago, like the Queen's funeral, which was really big, just kind of almost feels like it gets lost a bit, yeah. which is weird.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And it's probably it is part of the modern world, isn't it? Part of the problem of it, I think that. Um, I read somewhere that our brains just can't really cope with all the stuff that is thrown at us in the modern world. You know, mm. we're aware mm. of, or we can be aware of, everything going on pretty much across the world. Yeah. Um, And we're bombarded with technology and expectations, you know, even down to things like constant emails and text messages and all of that kind of stuff. And, and that, that our brains aren't really designed to cope with this constant bombardment
0: no no they're not um and we're going off pc but that's all right that doesn't matter <laughs> um it, yeah that's sweet really, that is that is a really good point because I was musing with um my wife just recently that I was kind of wondering what what would it have been like for our parents in their day in their in their jobs, and I'm and part of me thinks in some respects it would have been easier because they did not have email, mm. so they would get a letter or a phone call or maybe possibly a fax, but that was a bit high tech. So what that meant was they had much more thinking space. Yeah, they could they could you know understand the issues that they were facing they could develop really good solutions they could think things through a lot more because they had that headspace whereas now with technology i mean okay we're doing we're doing this through modern technology our parents couldn't have done what we're doing now so there there are i suppose benefits in quotes mm-hmm. but do you know what i mean anyway i mean yeah I
1: do, I do my my first job i didn't have email and um you know I've said before I'm a bit old-fashioned I love paper mm. so to sit and have no computer and just well no I did have a computer but you know no emails coming in and just be able to focus yeah I'd like to go back to that actually
0: yeah it it would have been it would have been quite I think we I, I think something something dramatic has happened there. anyway we we digress we're talking about the, the passage <laughs> of time but back going back going back to the the Queen, it was, it, was an impressive, it was an impressive thing, wasn't it? They, they estimate in the UK alone there was 26 million people who watched the funeral. Um, it was an impressive sight. I mean, whether, you, whether you're whether you pro-monarchy or, or quite happily would see see the back of the monarchy, whatever, it was a, a spectacle to behold. And, and I thought mm. it was quite astounding how it, it seemed, at least from watching on television, to go, like, plot work for something of that magnitude. Um, that, yeah, that was quite...
1: It did, it did didn't it? And I, I did sit there thinking, actually, I'm really proud of what we can achieve in this country. Because I, I wouldn't say that very often. Yeah. You know, that we could actually do that, you know. And, and all the, you know, the marching and the bands and the, um, those amazing chaps who carried the coffin. Mm, Hmm. You know the precision, the attention to detail. It was very impressive.
0: It was. Yeah. It was very impressive. It was very impressive. And I was. I was. Re- I was reading about the a little bit about the the Queen's coffin because I, I I didn't didn't know this. Um, that it, apparently it's lead lined. Yeah. Um. And, and my understanding is that one of the reasons for that maybe there's multiple reasons I don't know but one of the reasons is because. The queen lies in state and is above ground for quite a long time. The lead mm. lining helps to seal the coffin, so this is yeah. an airtight thing. But it also makes yeah. it incredibly heavy. An estimate estimated very, very between heavy. sort of two hundred and fifty, maybe three hundred kilograms. I'm presuming that doesn't include the queen. So it's no yeah. wonder that it took these chaps, you know, a lot of care and a lot of a lot of them to, to, to yeah. maneuver this this coffin around, um, yeah. which makes it all the more impressive, I guess. But the Queen's death, it's definitely marked a moment in in our history, clearly, and that I don't think is is up for debate. Um, The significance of it will, I think, become more apparent as time goes on, won't it, really? Um, It's it's difficult to discern the significance other than taking it at face value. What I mean is what else it could point us to, and only time will tell on that one. But it'd be good just to touch on the queen because, um, yeah, you, you did a you did a great article on your your Substack about the Queen Helen and and yeah, did, just do did you want to tell us a little bit about she was open about her faith and things like that, wasn't she? She was quite she she yeah. was quite um, she wasn't backwards in coming forwards for a monarch. I think it's probably fair to say.
1: No, that's right. And she, um, I went through all her Christmas messages through the years and. Um, I was looking really for what did she have to say about her faith, because that's what, what I was interested in. Um, and she talked about it in some form in, in every one of her messages, but um, in some she talked in, in more detail or in a more personal way. Um, and And that didn't really change over all of those years. So, I mean, some people have been questioning you know about her faith was she, you know was she really a christian and um i i just think she she was consistent in what she said over all of those years and she kept on making the point about about her personal faith in jesus christ mm. and and that was um very evident mm-hmm. through her funeral apparently she had arranged every part of her funeral she had chosen the hymns she had chosen the readings you know and she um those like I've listed you know some of those in in my article uh, I mean I'd probably choose pretty much all the same for my funeral I think right. I think they were yep yeah. um you know just great hymns of the faith um brilliant choice of bible readings yes so I I think I have no doubt that she had a personal faith and she trusted in Jesus as her as her savior
0: yes I I would um I would hold the same same view. I really would, uh, and and I think it has felt like she has often been in stark contrast to 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 the rest of her family in in the public mm. sphere, at least. Um, I mean, I know this is a this is a rabbit hole which many go down, and we're not going to go down. But um, but I just want to acknowledge that. But I think sometimes it, it we can have unrealistic expectations can't we so, so I know some people hold the view well if, if the Queen had her faith then well, what what did that do because she was monarch over a time of arguably terminal decline in this country which is true but is I think that's perhaps putting unfair expectations on the Queen given that we have a constitutional monarchy and it's um yeah, I, I think sometimes people people expect everything, don't they? Without actually having a, a realistic, <laughs> realistic understanding of how the world actually works. Yeah. Um, in other words, the Queen, in the circumstances that she was in, was doing a good job in terms of declaring the faith that she had. Um, whether she could have done more I'm sure she probably could have done more because at the end of the day all of us could always do more couldn't we but yeah yeah I think do you know what I mean on that one it's there is a kind of there's a tension there isn't there I think
1: yeah there is and and um you know what was our modern expectation of the queen in her role and I suspect it was primarily a, a kind of ceremonial role and a mm-hmm. representative role rather than you know what would have happened if she'd if she'd have stepped in and said well this particularly your law you're about to bring in I'm not sure about that so no I think you should stop now and um I don't agree with it so <laughs> I mean she in theory could have done that couldn't she but
0: in, in theory, so what would have happened? In, yeah, quite. In theory, she could have done it, but that would have led us into an unknown territory. We're not quite sure what would happen in that instance. Um, and I think that comes back to her sense of duty, doesn't it? So, so she she did not she did not decide the rules. She she mm. just said, "I am going to operate within these rules as best as I am able to," and the rules very much dictated what she couldn't couldn't do. And that would be interpreted by 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 some as as, as being weakness on her part. Um, but you look at her her the, the public aspect of her life, the life that, that 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 we are able to see and and measure, and she did have an incredible sense of duty. I think through a very long period of time, which was which was astounding. I
1: thought, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think anyone could question that because i mean you know to to get well into her 90s and still be you know traveling and and all these i read once i can't remember what the figures were but um this was years ago when i was quite young and thinking of all the things that i would do in a year and then they listed you know how many um you know presentations or functions or all sorts of things that the queen had been to in a year i was like oh my goodness i can't imagine doing that you know, my twenties, let alone in my nineties, <laughs> astonishing.
0: Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is. So yeah, I think it's it's definitely it's definitely the the end of a, an era with um, the death of Queen Elizabeth II, Um and certainly, I've pondered to myself for for many years. I, I've thought, you know when the queen does eventually die that's going to be a significant moment for this country simply because she did seem to express what sounded like genuine faith in the lord jesus christ which was so unusual to hear at the highest levels of public office in this country yeah that mm. that it had to it had to be significant that when this person goes it's not good um, and of course, time will tell, won't yeah. it? But um, certainly, at the moment, uh, things are not looking great. Shall we just Shall we just touch a little bit on the Archbishop of of Canterbury's sermon because that kind of links in with this for obvious reasons. But I think it link the first link here is that <clears throat> realistically, realistically, I suppose you could ask, well, what 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 were we expecting here? Um, and again, the Archbishop has to work within a uh, a set of uh, constraints it was a very short sermon it was it was five minutes it's actually very hard to write a very short sermon <laughs> it's much <laughs> easier to write a longer one that's for sure um but and he, he said some he said he said things certainly said things which hinted at at, at biblical truth which was which was good wasn't it
1: y- yes i mean i i wasn't expecting much to be honest um so it it was Better than I was expecting. Mm.
0: Um. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but then at the same time, I've heard some people possibly over, you know, going a bit over the top in how amazing it was. Uh, you know, he preached the gospel clearly to billions of people across the world. Um,
0: yeah, and this is this is this is the thing that I think it would be good for us just to, just to chat about, and and it's always treading that fine line between um, thinking. About something critical, critically, and and being critical, <laughs> mm. and uh, treading that sort of fine line. But I do think that that is a really important point. Um, it's not that I, I would personally think this isn't so much about saying, okay, the Archbishop of Canterbury could have done more here or more there, because that's that's coming into the same constraints that the Queen had. In her yeah. in her office. I mean, you're not going. You're not going to. Um, you're not going to get a full blown, full on gospel message with a call an altar call at the Queen's funeral. I mean, to be fair, you're not going to get that at most funerals. Um, in terms of actually people making response there and there. So we got we got to kind of have a sense of I suppose realistic uh, expectations here we've also got to acknowledge that that god can use situations when his word is proclaimed which is which is a good thing but like you're saying helen there there are some who are saying well this was a fantastic um you know a fantastic way of proclaiming the gospel to a very large audience on television and this is where i think we have to say hold on a sec really are you sure about that don't you think
1: yeah yeah it's uh, well yes I think I think you're right um yeah it's difficult isn't it I think the main thing for me when I listened to him is I had you know we we just heard the readings and um he repeated uh the verse i am the way the truth and the life mm-hmm. and then but he stopped there and then he didn't say the next yes. bit which is really crucial which is, is no one comes to the father except through me and for me that was and he may not have even thought about it I, I don't know but for me that was like oh no but you really really need to emphasize that point and he didn't and for me that was a bit of a shame.
0: Well, that that would have been seen as a kind of a, 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 a tinderbox thing, wouldn't it, in this country? You'd be looking at, at, at potentially offending lots of Muslims and people of other faiths because essentially what you're saying there is very clearly the only way to God the is the Lord Jesus Christ, is, which yes. is true. That is truth. Yeah. Um. And in declaring the truth, you are also declaring other ways to get to God as being false. And that's also yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah and so so this this is where perhaps we have to dissect it a little bit we have to we have to on one side we have we have what the Archbishop of canterbury actually said, which we can i suppose make allowance for given the circumstances and who he is and what we know about the Archbishop of Canterbury and and that you know could be something we could talk about at another time if we ever wanted to, but that is a different topic perhaps. And separate that from those who say yes this this was a great gospel gospel message because it wasn't no let's let's just be honest here it it, it wasn't and and I'm, I'm not saying that to be critical just factual because the gospel you can't have a genuine gospel pro- proclamation without a call to repentance without a call to turning away. Repent, believe, baptise, be baptised. That's, you know, that is that is essentially Jesus telling us the, mm. <laughs> the ingredients of the gospel message. So there is this worrying tendency within large parts of the church to say, Oh, that was a great gospel message. And you know, thinking, hold on a sec. Yes, there were certainly elements from the gospel in it. Okay. And there was certainly truth from the Bible proclaimed which is always a good thing Yeah. but to say that was a great gospel message that's not the case because you know it wasn't there um, and, and I think we've got to be we've got to hold fast to what the gospel is don't you think? I think it's really yeah. key for us yeah
1: yes and um, you, you know it's it's easy to have um messages that that don't that aren't prickly that Mm. don't make people uncomfortable um oh yeah (laughs) and I and I think that's (laughs) that's (laughs) I think that's what it was you know the the little extra bits that I would have liked to to emphasize or just would have been challenging would have been uh you know
0: it would it would have been wouldn't it? It would have yeah. been it would have been it would have been a challenge. Um, so I think I think we just have to use this as a as a as a reminder to one another that we've got to remember we cannot. Our job is not to make the gospel more palatable. That's not our job. Our job is to proclaim the gospel, and then God does His supernatural work through the Holy Spirit in convicting people and enabling people to respond to the gospel in the same way that he's done in our lives. That's our role. Our role is not to change the message. Our role is to no. give the message. But in order to give the message, we've got to understand the message we're going to give. And you don't leave bits out, because if you leave bits out, you're not then giving the message. yeah. And you're in danger, potentially, of giving a false message, which is going to have a different outcome. Um, so we, 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 have to, we have to be really on top of this i think um let's shall we move on should we move on because there was yeah. there was a there was another um observation I, I was drawn to this one by a really interesting guy called nick franks who um does a podcast with his wife called into the prey we've mentioned this before we'll link to his podcast in our in the in the description have uh, in the notes for for this podcast. Um do do check check him out. He's really good. He's really good. He's a he's he's sound, isn't he, Ellen?
1: He is. Yeah. And he's not afraid to say things that are a bit prickly and a bit challenging.
0: No, he's not. And he he drew my attention to Pete Gregg, who is a, a well known um church leader, uh, Christian leader in, in in this country. And he'd done a um article in, in Premier and I think you know premier tends to be sort of quite what's the word middle of the road um how would you describe it like maybe that's the wrong phrase <laughs> Not i'm trying to be derogatory i'm just trying to explain how it, how, <laughs> no, no, how I we uh, how we describe it um and um tries to sort of tread the kind of the the yeah the the middle line i guess keeping everyone like. happy keeping mm-hmm. everybody happy yeah it's it, it would see itself as a as a as a as a broad church Anyway, we'll, we'll link to Pete Greg's article in, in in the in the notes, so you can read it for yourself. But but he he was talking about um, this double rainbow over Buckingham Palace, wasn't he? And about, about that being a sign of of God's of God's faithfulness. And it was one of these kind of typically upbeat, you know, hopefully things are going to be okay, and mm. we're on the up, and that kind of it was that kind of article, wasn't it? Which seems to be so. They're so pervasive now in yeah. mainstream Christianity,
1: it's like, like a kind of uh, feel good, feel good mm. factor. Mm. Oh, yeah, nice and warm and
0: yeah, it is sentimental. It, it is, it is. Um, so you know, he, he said, Perhaps we perhaps we may take that great double rainbow, he's talking over Buckingham Palace here. As a sign for our times, a reassurance of God's faithfulness amid so much uncertainty and a reminder of our Queen's example as a persevering promise keeper, a faithful light refractor and a faith-filled hope dispenser in such dark and difficult days. Now, I would uh, certainly agree with Pete Gregg in that a rainbow does remind us of God's faithfulness. That's certainly one of one of the things that immediately comes to mind when I see a rainbow in the sky. Do you have anything that you think of when a rainbow comes into, (laughs) when you see a rainbow, Helen? If you ever see Um, rainbows, because it only rains in your part of the world, doesn't it? I'm not sure the sun actually shines.
1: It does rain quite a lot, actually. (laughs) But the sun shines too. So yes, we do see rainbows quite a lot. And um, yeah, I love rainbows. And and I certainly think of, you know, God's promises to us uh, when I see a rainbow. um, And, you know, unfortunately, I always think of, they kind of reclaim the rainbow. That's that's what the rainbow stands for. It's you know has spiritual significance. It does. Um, yeah. It's not a, you know, it's not representing a pride flag or anything else.
0: No, um, no. Interestingly, actually, in in the um twenty twenty, you know, everybody had these. Not everybody, a lot of people had these rainbows in their windows saying thank you uh, yes, NHS. Yes, like the NHS. And it was like a, it sort of got taken back as a symbol of hope didn't it do you remember that it was just yes. really quite it was one of those moments where you think hold on a sec uh, this is a kind of this is both a weird thing and a good thing in the sense that it's taking it away from something that's profoundly evil yeah. um, <laughs> and making it into something that's really good well yeah even if it's kind of missing the mark slightly you know do you remember that anyway yes um, i
1: do i do remember it um because my children drew rainbows and and we we did it slightly differently and we we put messages about God's promises and, and his faithfulness. So yeah, we thought, you know, it's kind of also, you know, no, we don't want the rainbow hijacked again. It's not representing the NHS. It's not what
0: No, it's <laughs> what, not. No. It, what it is. <clears throat> no. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, it's so going back to Pete, Pete Gregg's article, yep, totally, that, that a rainbow does does on surface. Level it reminds us of God's faithfulness, but I think I think the the article was kind of it. The overall thrust of it was that we have dark times now. The Queen's death, you know, the, the things happening in the world. We've had this thing called COVID. We've had and um, the war in Ukraine, and there's you know the price of things is going up. So we're in dark times, but that but but basically the message is that there's there's hope and and. It's just a kind of, you know, we can get through this. And perhaps that God's rainbow is a sign that he's. it's implied that, that, that there's hope for this country insofar as he's clearly looking out, out for it. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I would definitely um, agree that there is hope. I would definitely agree that um, God cares beyond my comprehension. For for, for, for this country. However, and there's some really big howevers here, I think we do miss the deeper and much more important message when we see a rainbow because you have to go back to Genesis to understand what it means. So a rainbow, as, as I guess most of our listeners would know, came after the flood which was an act of God's judgment on a world that had turned its back on him. Mm. And it was an act of judgment where only a handful were rescued. So I would say that, yes, on a very kind of simplistic level, a rainbow is a reminder of God's faithfulness, but actually a rainbow is a reminder of God's rescue and his judgment and that's a far more powerful message and if i was looking at a rainbow over this country over buckingham palace that's what i would be coming away with that this is a reminder that there is judgment coming that this is a reminder that there is a means of rescue and we need to act on that other and that's very different message to saying this is god's sign of faithfulness and his hope which lulls people into i'm afraid a terrible false sense of security
1: yeah yeah and i i think so absolutely and um that's what i'm feeling at the moment it's it's quite hard to explain um that's what it feels like to me in the church generally at the moment is uh a kind of exactly as you explained that um this kind of false sense of security and um everything will be fine just you know we trust god and god is faithful Mm. god loves us and kind of let's get our heads down get back to normal on we go yeah um whereas i i feel like we need to stop and and think really is perhaps God is trying to say to us yes absolutely I love you um, beyond measure but you need to stop and you need to look at what you're doing mm, you need to exactly. Y- you need to see what you're becoming in this country and you need to turn from that and you need to follow me again yes I, I think it's much more likely you know if that if that rainbow was a sign from god i think it's much more likely to be a warning sign for us you know a kind of wake up call and you know i'm here and i want to save you and i want you to turn to me but you know you need to understand the consequences if you don't
0: yes and the consequences have happened in the past and they the bible is very clear will happen in in the future Jesus says in Matthew 24, and by the way, you read the article, Pete Gregg's article, he references Matthew 24, and it's interesting, because he references it in a kind of, it almost feels a slightly negative way, like, oh, Matthew 24, Jesus talking about wars, rumours of wars, it's like, really? Yes, Jesus does talk about that. Why? Because he wants us to look to his return, which is tremendously exciting, but we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. Anyway, but Matthew 24, Jesus says this, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of of man now there's your link to the rainbow mm-hmm. there's your link to the rainbow um, the rainbow you know in Genesis it's a sign of God's covenant that he will never again cut off all life on the earth from a flood it's very specific to a flood and I think this as you're saying Alan, this should point us towards repentance this that God is the one who judges and he acts in judgment and he is also the one who saves. He is the one who has graciously given us his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to put that means of rescue from God's judgment. That's that's a that's that's a message of a rainbow. Mm. Just dis just, just distilling that down into faithfulness is a nice fluffy term. Sorry, but that's that's way wider the mark.
1: It's too shallow, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's unbelievable. There's always shallow. much more depth yeah. to what God has to say.
0: Yeah. And furthermore, you know, a double rainbow, as it was in this photograph, perhaps is a double reminder that God once destroyed the earth through water and won't destroy it through water again, but the Bible tells us that the earth will be rolled up, as it were. It will finish. And it tells us that God will judge the earth. So it's a double reminder that there is judgment but there's also rescue and that's where your hope is. Mm. Your hope is not in a kind of fluffy idea that like you're saying, "Helen, everything's going to going to be okay." Because if you have if that's what you go with, it's not going to be okay. That's a lie, unfortunately. Um and, and I think one of the things that Nick Franks really helpfully draws attention to is is where is the message of repentance in this i mean we rarely hear this in church you rarely hear this on the church in a church sermon in some churches at least have you noticed that i i've noticed that Uh, we we talk we talk about uh, you know we talk about being a follower of jesus in in very worldly terms we say god wants to have a relationship with you really well, I'm not sure where, where does it say that in the Bible exactly. Maybe that can be implied in certain ways. Totally, yeah, get that. But where's where's that kind of said explicitly? Or, you know, God just you know wants to doesn't want you to be alone. Well, yeah, again, that's 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 implied. But actually, the message of repentance is explicit in the gospel. So that should be at the forefront. And yeah, when we get that bit right, then we can say, you know what? Yeah, you can you can have this. You will have. A relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, because you believe because you repented because you know you've 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 been obedient to his word but but we kind of we present sometimes a false gospel, and then we wonder why people drift away from the church
1: yeah, and the danger sometimes is I think it can be presented as a <clears throat> kind of almost like um or maybe maybe people misunderstand it as a one off thing you know, and yep. a very personal yep. thing. I repent of my sin, um, you know. Accept Jesus, and then from then on, on I go, and and everything's everything's great. And I think we've lost this kind of. What about the idea of a collective repentance? What about re- repenting on behalf of our nation? Um, you know, a collective repentance as a church together. Um, you know, and I think again, it's it's something that has a lot more depth. That we we treat too too often as a kind of superficial thing
0: yeah, it does. I mean we, we have we have collective collective um, socially engineered repentance, don't we, for things like in the church you know wringing its hands over over slavery um, mm. for example, and slavery was a terrible thing, but then the flip side is that this country was at the forefront of abolishing it. Mm. which is often glossed over and and conveniently not talked about and plus fact this was a long time ago now Mm. and and you know we we that but there are but there are many things we're doing today uh as the body of christ which we shouldn't be doing and and Mm. we gotta you know we gotta (laughs) let's let's start today shall we let's let's start with the things today um but yeah, I I, tot- I totally agree. I, th- I think we just just by way of encouragement to you listening is that when you when you're explaining the gospel to somebody, maybe to to a friend, or it could be you could be involved in something evangelistic at church. Don't shy away f- from saying it as it is, because the gospel is really simple. At the end of the day, we've got this problem called sin which has separated us from God. By default, we're facing the wrath of God. That's the default position. And God has provided his son who died in our place, took the punishment upon himself, faced God's wrath on our behalf. And we put our faith and trust in him. We turn away from the things that displease God. And that's a continual turning away. We have to keep doing that as we walk with him and putting our trust in him on a daily basis for the forgiveness of our sins, and then we are being saved. We are saved and being saved. It's a process called sanctification, and there's justification in there. But yeah, I mean, it's don't just present the gospel to somebody as God wants to be your mate. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, don't yeah, and and see what God will do. When, the thing, the amazing thing is when when we kind of we do encourage people by actually saying look this is what the bible says this is what this is what jesus has done for you this is a the situation then you're allowing god space to work and it's amazing what he'll do when something like that mm. happens but anyway that's a slight a slight di- digression um but that that article i think is um is interesting from what it it doesn't it doesn't say and and i think one of the other things that we should be hearing from prominent church leaders is not oh it's going to be okay but oh this is this is an opportunity to actually come back to the true message of the gospel isn't it this is if you want to take a moment momentous occasion like this then capitalize on it by saying okay let's wake up to actually the true message of the gospel and let's be fearless in proclaiming it because death reminds us but there is an eternity, and we're all going to die, unless we're still living when Jesus returns. Of course, that's the only exception to that. And wow, I mean, yeah, we got to we got to put put things in perspective a bit more. I mean, we talk yeah,
1: about yeah, definitely. Don't well, think? don't don't you think as well um, that uh, I think again, I would say this applies on a personal level as well as on a much um, bigger level that the gospel is about trans a message of transformation. So Jesus calls us to repent and Mm. to turn from our wicked ways and to turn to him and to follow him. And, and what he promises is not, is not us just kind of staying as we are then, but absolute transformation. Yes. Into becoming more and more like him, Um, exactly. And and that surely the same message holds for for our communities, for our nation. You know, if we will only repent and turn to him and follow him, then God will transform this nation.
0: He will. He will. And you're absolutely right. That's such. That's such a, a good reminder that it is. It is personal transformation and in personal transformation there is collective transformation and and yeah yeah I think that is that is that is such a such a good reminder helen um and that's how that's how like you say communities have being tran- would be genuinely transformed um and so often as a church we want to see transformation on the world's terms, yeah which is so sad we 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 champion the world's methods or causes thinking that these will bring transformation but we miss the far greater thing which yeah it start and it starts with it starts with us as individuals doesn't
1: it yeah it does and we've we've got to believe in the church that we are the ones who hold the answers because people are questioning and people are looking for answers and the world doesn't have those answers And we have them in the church. (laughs) And if all we're spouting is the world's answers, it's a lie.
0: It it is, it is. And we're 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 failing those around us. I mean, at the moment, you know, in in the news we've got talk about, we've got bailouts, we've got emergency measures, haven't we? We've We've got all sorts of drastic actions which the world is taking in a time of trouble. Well, what better springboard, perhaps, than to talk about God's rescue, Package mm-hmm. in the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, which absolutely. is far beyond that. That's the kind of thing we need to be we need to be getting out there, and and I think to top to kind of sit, I'm not sure over that is the right phrase, but but to, but to kind of all this to point towards is the return of Jesus, and again, this is a message which of all people we are the closest to Christ's return of all humanity. Right now, there is nobody closer than us. Yeah. Obviously if you're listening to this podcast in the future then you you will take our place. But <laughs> but um the point is surely we should be saying Jesus is coming back and it's sooner now than it ever has been. Yeah. And we should be getting ready for that and we should be getting others ready for that because you know if you're not trusting him once he's come back it's too late.
1: Yeah. It's another opportunity that we're in danger of missing, isn't it? And it's just like, for me, it's just like what we've talked about before with um, how so much of the church missed the opportunity during the whole, you know, the COVID years of the fear of death that was everywhere. Mm. And so much of the church perpetuated that fear instead of, Using that opportunity to tell people death is real, but that y- y- you do not need to fear death.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It, it was it was the opportunity given on a plate, on a yeah. massive platter saying, here, use this. And everyone we went, no, we just actually need to lock down and stay safe and uh, follow the rules and get vaccinated or whatever. It's like, good grief, you've really missed this one. But we yeah. mustn't do that again. We can't make that mistake again. And there will be opportunities to make the same mistake, unfortunately. And we've got to be savvy to those, I think, haven't we?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, so so true. So true. Shall we shall we move move on to um David Scott? Do you wanna take us take us through a little bit of this and
1: Yes. Yeah. So this is um this is a different piece by a chap called David Scott and um this was published on the UK column site which i can highly recommend and we'll put a link to it again and it was it was quite a sobering piece certainly a very different tone from the one we have just talked about um and I, I suppose the overall um message in it i think he was looking at what could the queen have done differently so mm-hmm. he he makes the point that he had great respect for the queen and he absolutely um concludes that she had a personal faith but but he also talks in the piece about the ways that he was disappointed and and the ways that he'd hoped that she might have done things differently or spoken up um about the corruption in our nation and and he thinks that that was that was an error on her part um
0: yeah yeah one one of the one of the bits that 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 struck me about that was he talks about the legislation which was which brought the UK into the um the EEC um was that the European Economic Community I think wasn't it? Um, which, yeah. which 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 later became the European Union. And this legislation effectively gave EU law supremacy over UK law and this was actually a breach of her coronation oath. And his his question was well why didn't she raise the alarm? I suppose there's two ways of kind of interpreting that: is did she not raise the alarm, or did she raise the alarm? We just didn't know about it. I mean, I, I, yeah. no, no one's going to know the answer to that question, know. are they? <laughs> um, but <clears throat> that is that is a that is a, a very good point. That 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 shows perhaps that, that also highlights the constraints within which she was working. I don't know. Maybe that's being too generous. What do you think?
1: Mm. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, difficult isn't it we we don't and and we can only see from one side we don't know you know what the queen tried to do behind the scenes um she clearly felt that that she wasn't in a position to be able to speak out in any way other than the ways that she did in her christmas messages but Mm. um yeah What, what one of the christmas messages that um uh, that I'll just read a piece from, actually, which, for me, it was the the most impressive of them all. And this was in 1957, so it was quite early on. Um, and I think there she, she was trying to speak out. Um, and I think I've said before about this, she had quite a bit of flack for it. So if I just read this, have a listen. She said, ''It is not the new inventions which are the difficulty.'' The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery. They would have religion thrown aside, morality in personal and public life made meaningless, honesty counted as foolishness, and self-interest set up in place of self-restraint. Today we need a special kind of courage, not the kind needed in battle but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.
0: Wow. When did she say that?
1: 1957.
0: Wow. There's a lot of good stuff in there, isn't there, about... Yeah. I guess I kind of think what went wrong cuz I don't think we we heeded that, did we? Looking back, history doesn't as a nation sadly, I don't think we 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 took those words to heart as we should have done or could have done. Um but yeah, maybe yeah. maybe this is maybe this is where the queen did well insofar as she she couldn't speak up about um, constitutional issues. So like the fact of the EU law, having supremacy over UK law and being a breach of a coronation oath as an example of that. And there'd be many other things that she couldn't talk about perhaps but what she could talk about was her personal faith because it was personal to her and so mm-hmm. in that way she could do something which she seemed as making a difference or at least putting a a marker in the sand to say this is what i believe is right and 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 maybe in doing that she she served the country in the best way she could uh, and mm-hmm. in an ideal world it would have been great to have somebody who would also do that and say you know we can't have our legal system dismembered in this way through a an undemocratic <laughs> um, supranational governmental system that nobody's asked for called the EU for example um, and it would have been great to have that input as well but to, for her to input on the spiritual life of the nation, I think was significant, wasn't it?
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And she, David Scott talks about how, how she presided over the decline of Britain as a great nation, which, which is, which is true. But, but he, he also says she presided over it, but did not cause it. Yeah. Um, and he describes her as neither a leader nor a risk taker, but we should, but but instead a, as a faithful servant of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, and uh, she kept doing that until the end, in faith mm. and duty. So yeah, I think it, it it's a tricky one ultimately because we're we're not privy to everything that goes on. No. So, so in, that, in that regard, you can only you can only make judgments on what people say in public, can't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's one bit I think that, that was really interesting in his article where he talks about um what Boris Johnson had to say in his speech in the House of Commons um on the death of the Queen. And and in one bit he says she was the figurehead of our entire system, the keystone in the vast arch of the British state. Mm. And then David Scott says, "But the vast arch of the British state is corrupt and rotten." Lies abound. Falsehood is built upon falsehood. Reason has been jettisoned and prejudice substituted mm. for it. Strength, integrity and courage are not to be found and in fact are actively ilmi- eliminated. The Queen, whether she wished it or not, has been made a figurehead for a system that at its core is in rebellion against truth and justice. Yes. And then he goes on to say the reason we love the Queen is exactly because she was not the keystone of the state it was because she was Elizabeth a girl a woman a mother a grandmother and a frail old lady with sparkling eyes we loved her because of her humanity her warmth and her modesty
0: yes yeah that's that is a very very good summary there that that David Scott writes and again, it comes back to it comes back to acknowledging the truth and reality of the situation, and not dressing it up to be something it isn't, and not being sentimental about it, which we are so prone to do, aren't we? Yeah. Um, and this is not so that we can point the finger, but it's so that we can understand the importance of truth and understand the importance of standing for truth. And sadly, yeah. The British state is corrupt and rotten. That's a sad reality. It's, the British state is not alone in that. But, <laughs> but, yeah, it's sad but true, as the saying goes. Anything else on that one, Helen, or should we, shall we, shall we move on?
1: No, let's move on.
0: Okay, well, it should be good to kind of, as we're kind of coming into land a little bit, just wanted to touch on um, King Charles. Now, you, in your kind of farming background... It seems to a lay person like myself, a layman like myself, I can't believe I just said lay person, lay, layman by myself. Um, Man. Um, that he he's done done quite a bit of farming. What what's your, what's your take on him as a as a person linked with the rural community?
1: Yeah, well, I have actually met uh, when he was Prince Charles. I met him quite a few years ago now in my work okay. in farming um yeah had had conversation good conversation with him um so what i would say you know obviously i i never knew him well but um but i know many people who have spent time with him and who um i think it is fair to say he is passionate about the causes that he believes in Mm. um and i think and farming is is one of them i I know for a fact that he loves nothing more than being out on the farm laying hedges okay. and wh- when he my brothers in law have met him as well when they've been hedge laying, and when he is out hedge laying, he wears this coat which apparently is full of rips from you know the thorns and everything that've just been stitched up and it's like a coat which he's probably worn his entire adult life for um hedge laying <laughs> um and so he's someone who likes to get his hands dirty he really really loves farming and the countryside and he's passionate about it he's also he's passionate about family farming about um and very concerned has been for years about the plight of the small family farm in this country and around the world um about organic farming about Concept called slow food, which is about um, kind of you know this ghastly word sustainable. Sounds the opposite of McDonald's to me. Yeah, exactly the opposite of fast food. Um, You know, real food, proper, properly. McDonald's is real food, Helen. Yeah, just like McDonald's, perfect example. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm passionate about rural community, so so you know that's what I've. Seen of him and i think there are positives there i think he is is a doer he wants to do something in fact in the conversation i had him with him one of the things he said was what can we do to help what what can we do and he had various ways that he could help his the causes that he was passionate about through his prince's countryside fund through the different um different initiatives that that he kind of spearheaded but he always seemed to be someone who wanted to do something to help and to make things better. Um, Okay. Now that sounds good. That's all good. And that's all positive. Um, But what I've seen, I think the danger is that that passion can be, if that can be captured, it can be kind of manipulated. and, And that's my worry is that that's, what mm. what has happened in recent years?
0: Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's really helpful to hear that. That's really helpful. Um, and I think I think we ha- we have to just just by way of just a reminder and marker hit marking marking us a point here. It is all too easy, especially in kind of evangelical Christian circles, to to want people we. Believe in to be the total package for people to get absolutely everything right. To to be to be completely one hundred percent sound in everything. That ain't gonna happen. There's only one person who's walked the earth who's like that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, so I think there is always the element of looking for where people get things right. But at the same time, like you've just said, Helen, so importantly, we have got to weigh that up against the bigger picture, and like you say, how how things can be captured and and people shifted in their approach, so that their overall trajectory shifts. And this is this is the point, isn't it? Where where, where does where does that person's life point to? What, what what do their actions point to? Is it is it a good 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 heading? Are we on a good heading, or is it slightly? Suspect. Um, one of the things that that interestingly Charles has been <coughs> noted for is, is defend being called defender of faiths, plurally. Um, I've certainly heard that in the past, but but he he himself, when you look at what he himself says about this, he he feels he's been misrepresented about it. Um, and in his, he actually says, you have to come from your own Christian standpoint in the case I have as defender of the faith and ensure that other people's faiths can also be practised. So I thought that was worth mentioning because he does get, I've certainly always, he's been noted at, as by Christians, hasn't he, as being defender of faiths. And we think, oh, we clocked yeah. that one. This is a shift from the Queen as defender of the faith. And the the little word the is very important. If you say defender of faith, that's the same as saying defender of faiths. It's the faith is the key bit in that. Um, But yeah, I thought that would just be worth mentioning because that's quite a common thing, isn't it, in Christian circles?
1: Yes, that's quite a criticism a that's him. been yeah that's been uh, laid at his door for many years now. Um, I think one of the other things that I mean I'd like to look into a bit more, um, but that I've heard and again isn't generally talked about in Christian circles is that he's I mean he's apparently much more what you might term high church than his mother and drawn okay, to the right. Orthodox tr- traditions in Christianity, and that was through the influence of his father and i think in theory this could be a positive thing that he's a a great traditionalist and and passionate about standing for timeless values rather than you know progressive liberalism um and and the person i was reading uh, quoted many examples of organizations that he's chosen to um you know to be associated with that are on the kind of um traditional and orthodox end of the the kind of Christian spectrum for want of a better term um and I think that's that is quite interesting and I, and I, again i think it sort of it, it may depend with him on on who who then is influencing him and and kind of um capturing that passion and and that could be used for good or ill depending you know depending on what way it goes
0: yes yes and and this is this is where this is where kind of words and and actions come into play don't know because it's easy for us to say things and then do something that's contrary to that and the, mm. the same as that applies to us it will also apply to, to King's Charles and I think where this is kind of, where one of the things that you're kind of pointing to here is is his connection with um, the World Economic Forum
1: mm.
0: now um, look, let, let's. I just want to say something about this first of all because this irritates me a little bit I have to be honest, is many will say oh you know there's a World Economic Forum it's just you're making you're making a big deal out of nothing here. It's like okay, well, if you're making a big deal about it, nothing, if the if the WEF is of no consequence, then then why do business leaders of multinational corporations, presidents, prime ministers, kings attend it if it's of no consequence? Because they wouldn't attend something of no consequence. So I think we just have to kind of just lay that broad. Um, foundation here as to why we should at least consider this and pay a little bit of attention because I think it'll be important. And interestingly, King Charles or Prince Charles at the time was speaking at the launch of the <coughs> the WEF's Great Reset. So the term Great re- re- Reset, they um, they own it. It's not made up thing. It's genuine. And this was back in June two thousand twenty. And uh, uh, Charles said, there is a golden opportunity to seize something good from this crisis. Global crises know no borders and highlights how interdependent we are as one people sharing one planet. Unless we take the action necessary and build in a greener and more inclusive and sustainable way, then we will have more and more pandemics. Now, actually, there's a lot that's implied in what he's saying there, which is of of actually of, of of great concern. And this comes back to what you're saying, Helen, about how people can be captured and used for purposes which are not good. Um, and the Great Reset itself, in in the WFS terms, is 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 a commitment to to join to jointly and urgently build the foundations of our economic and social system for a more fair, sustainable and resilient post-COVID future. And goes the Reset information goes on to say, as we enter a window of opportunity to shape COVID-19 recovery, the Great Reset will offer insights to help inform all those determining the future state of global relations, the direction of na- national economies, the priorities of societies, the nature of business models and the management of global commons. If you think that's of no significance, then I would suggest you're not paying attention. Because this is the aims of an organization who has the ear and influences world leaders and mega corporation business owners and leaders and thought leaders. Uh, And yeah, this we have to we have to. Recognize this, don't we, Helen?
1: Yes, we do. Yeah. And, and I think it's deeply concerning.
0: It yeah. is. It is deeply concerning. And as a church, we should be aware of this simply because we need to spot how this thinking creeps into the church. You know, we've got things like intercessors for climate change, which we came across a while ago, we've got uh, eco churches. And I'm thinking, this is not, that's not the gospel. It's not the church's remit, I would argue. Mm. What do you think, Ellen?
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and I think I've possibly said before, that my entire life growing up on the farm, growing up in the countryside, I'm passionate about um, farming, about the countryside, about wildlife. Um so you know, I think this is why I, I see, you know, when Prince Charles has talked about many of these things, I, I, I understand because you know I, I'm passionate about those things as well. But the difference I see is that um, he's almost he seems to have almost lost his focus on, on what in that is important, and, and and now he's following this this. Great Reset mantra um, this kind of net zero utopia mm. which actually is, is a globalised um, vision which is a million miles away from the kind of local community, local mm. answers mm-hmm. um, local responsibility yeah. which is what he and, and traditional values which is what he stood, stood for or seemed to stand for and, and that's, you know, that's what I see has been happening in the church. When years ago, I, I was like, why, why are we not, you know, why do we seem to, we seem so far removed from um many of the things that I, that I think are important and we don't seem to engage. And now we've gone the other way. The, so much of the church seems so obsessed with issues around climate change and it's become like a. It's almost, in, in some churches, it seems to be more important than the gospel.
0: It, it, We're well, saving the it, planet. It's, it's become the gospel. The gospel. Yeah. It, 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 Save it, the it's, planet. It, 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 yeah, exactly. Um, and that, that is, this is just really important for us to realise here, because there is a link between between what, you know, enormous organisations like the WF are talking about and the influence we see in the church. Or in society, these two things are linked. They're not separated. They are linked, and this is why, as Christians, we need to be alert to this. And we need to be saying, "Hold on a sec." We need to just weigh that up. Is this is this something we should be really driving? Is it something we should be promoting? Because you know the the message, Jesus's <laughs> message, are to us as to our task is go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to follow everything I've commanded you. And I'll be with you till the end of the age. Jesus is clear. He's, it, it, that's it, that we have a core message, we're supposed to focus on that and, and what what we're seeing increasingly in churches is them just adopting a sort of a pseudo-gospel which all it does, it makes them more acceptable to the world. Yeah. Well, that's not going to that's not going to help anybody. I'm afraid it'll just make you. It might make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. You might think you're doing a great thing, and you'll have to do theological gymnastics to get to your your viewpoint. But it's it's a tragedy, um, and and the two the two things here are linked. And people in churches, Christians in churches, need to see that because it'll happen more and more. I think. And we saw that happen in 2020, where churches, large, large, large amount of churches, myself, my church included, simply became a kind of a mouthpiece for governmental health policy. This mm-hmm. is exactly the same thing. Um. So I think, how would we conclude for for King Charles? I, I'm tempted to kind of say, number one, pray for him. Yeah. That's that's important. Um, number two. Watch. Watch what happens. Pay attention. You don't have to be um, uh, obsessed by it or consumed by it. That that'd be a bad thing. But but just but just pay attention. Just 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 discern the direction of travel. And um, and 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 watch what. What happens in your church as well? Stand up, but always be saying, look, our mission is to point people to the rescue that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That nothing detract from, from that. And yes, we can be involved with good things. I'm not saying you can't be involved with things that that um, are practical and helpful to people. That's really important. But we mustn't let things trump or dilute the gospel. That's, that's really key. That's really key.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I would think, I would say as well, um, when we're praying for King Charles, I think that's really important. I think one of the things to pray is pray for wise people to surround him um, because he will have yeah. um, chaplains and you know people from the church who support him in his role and um, counsel him. And so pray for people People who, with, you know, who genuinely um, and wholeheartedly follow Jesus, to give him wise counsel.
0: Yes. Yeah, and that, pray that, that God, that's what God will he needs, use them. Yeah,
1: that's what he needs. Yeah.
0: And God, God can use people whether they know that He's using them or not. Yeah. <laughs> um. But we, it's important to remember that. Um, yeah. but t- and
1: God, God uses people with flaws. He so, does. you know, that's all you he's don't expect work with. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, King Charles may have his flaws, as we all do, but that doesn't mean that God can't use him. So I think pray for him, definitely.
0: And keep a keep a laser focus on what the gospel is. Remind yeah, yourself as to the simplicity and core truth of the gospel, and let nothing move you from that. Because, yeah, the 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 the, the broad Christian church in this country is involved in a great many things, a great many endeavours, many of which are good and help society. But the problem is that it can often. Um, overshadow the gospel or it can water it down or it can take people's eyes off it we must never mm. we, we must do what we can to kind of elevate the cross and point people to jesus so look just wanted, before we before we finish just want to talk about um come back to chris wickland so that there are there are all tem- there are all sort of links here aren't there Helen, we're, we're not. This isn't completely a random podcast. There's, there's method in our plan, <laughs> but many of you will remember we did a did a podcast a few a few a few pods ago about a prophecy from Chris Wickland, a church leader on the south coast of England, and uh, his his prophecy was um, was entitled "Changing Seasons," wasn't it? I think, and he. Very, it was very specific. He he said on a, the, the last oh sorry the first day of autumn midnight on the first day of autumn, which uh, was the twenty third of September, I believe. Is that right? So it was the twenty third, wasn't yep, it? Yeah. Yep. Uh which was last Friday. There would be a something significant happening that that would point to a a, a new season we're going into where big changes were, would, would happen, big changes in, in the economy, big changes in in the, the societal situation that we find ourselves in this country and, and the church has an opportunity coming out of this. And we said at the time when we did the podcast it'd be good to kind of revisit this. I think it's fairly, on, on a surface level, nothing obvious happened on the 23rd. Now, that's not saying that something didn't, happen but you know we didn't wake up the following day and there was like complete financial collapse or there was no power or anything kind of crazy like that did we so but that's not to say that something necessarily didn't happen we we don't know yet but but I think that's worth pointing out first of all isn't it? it it wasn't it didn't feel I'm still yeah I'm still wondering what how that how that's actually panned out in reality Do you have any thoughts on that one any observations Um,
1: no not really other than yeah if if you know if you're going to be very specific like that with um a prophecy then then obviously the only thing that those listening can do is is um make some kind of judgment accordingly so that was the date given and like you say nothing immediately obvious took place on that date but also like you say that doesn't mean that a shift may not have taken place.
0: No. It's um it, t- time time's going to tell on that one, isn't it? And and yeah, okay, that that might sound a bit like I don't want to sound like a bit like a cop out, but but it's just reality of of, of uh, living on this world. We are bound by time and we sometimes have to have to wait and see. So kind of holding that, that one lightly. But again, it that whole thing of the, the the lack of a call to repentance in in that message does keep does keep cropping up I think and um maybe that maybe there were some things in it that that weren't entirely right but maybe there was also maybe there were also things in that message that were right maybe he he, he was he was spot on maybe about the 23rd but we will see um but I know that um Nick Franks again, um the chap who does the into the pray podcast he was very very clear about this lack of any reference at all to to repentance in uh, um in chris wickland's prophecy what was was a problem um and i think that that is that is a valid concern and I'm reminded of the 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 passage which uh, nick referred to uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where it says do not put out the spirit's fire do not treat prophecies with content test everything hold on to the good avoid every kind of evil and that's what we need to do here we need to test everything um, and to test something is not, is not saying oh this thing is wrong for a prophecy to be tested is is not to question it in its integrity it's to see if it has integrity it's to see if this thing is right it's a good thing to test it's what we're called to do so we must must test prophecy we can't just accept it just because it's been it's been uttered we need to test it and we need to hold on to what is good so we hold on to the truth of the gospel we hold on to the fact that repentance is a core part of salvation of people genuinely turning to Christ and, and we hold on to the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. We don't let go of that. We hold on to the fact that Jesus is coming back and we've got to get ourselves ready for that. Um these are these are truths that we have to hold on to tightly as we test prophecy because they enable us to see where the, the prophecy is uh, right or not, and of course, time always tells with prophecy, doesn't it, Helen? The clues in the up. title,
1: absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, we just thought we'd mention that, just because the time has passed, and yeah, just kind of wait and see on that one. But many, I think, some people thought, well, maybe it could have been referencing, you know, the the Queen's death. But if you're going to be specific, that was not on that day, and the funeral wasn't on that day. But we are the country is in is it sadly in turmoil isn't it the 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 economy seems to be going down the plug hole um the the situation with with russia is, is is not great we've got yeah the whole stuff with you know the whole vaccine thing kind of slowly coming out and that's not great um so yeah it's not a great it's not a great situation but we remind ourselves of the gospel truth that jesus is the way the truth in and life and that he is coming back that's a good thing amazing yeah.
1: thing. yeah definitely
0: anything to finish up with to add helen as we um, land the podcast well, plane
1: I, yeah i might just finish with the following few verses from the ones that you read actually um a bit like a kind of blessing um it says may god himself the god of peace sanctify you through and through may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it
0: amen amen well, what what that is the great part of the bible to finish on i think thank you helen um so yeah we hope you've um found this Podcast useful. We've we talked a, around a few different subjects today. I know. Um, please do share the podcast with anybody you think it might encourage or or help them in their understanding of the world in which we live. Um, and you can find all the links uh, that that we uh, I think have talked about in in the description for the podcast. We've also got links to um, Helen's Substack in the link tree as well. And we also have our Telegram group, which is also in the link tree. So if you do want to kind of keep up to date with stuff in between podcasts, then do join the Telegram group, and we you'd be very welcome to join in discussion there. And um, yeah, I think that's it. So we'll be we'll be back probably what week and a half maybe next one.
1: Yeah, hopefully. Yep.
0: Hopefully. Yeah. Right. Well, nice one. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, see you guys soon. Bye!